0: Well, welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. Uh, just a little housekeeping preamble at mm. the beginning. I just wanted to say, you know, we really enjoy doing this. I have a blast coming down, having these conversations with you, Me too. Man. but at the same time, we have full time jobs and families <laughs> and some other side projects we're doing. It's not the only thing we're doing. So I can't, sometimes I do, but not I can't I can't each week spend dozens of hours preparing and coming up with a really well-crafted soliloquy and speech and that's not what it's really for. It's not a teaching podcast. Right. We're having a conversation. It's an
1: exploratory podcast. Uh an epistemic romp. Yeah. Trespassing through various <laughs> fields. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and attempting to make
1: sense of the world.
0: Like I genuinely want to learn. Yeah. And like have the practice of crystallizing my ideas through mm-hmm. conversation and hopefully you the audience find that valuable as well to listen along hopefully we can anticipate what you're thinking as you're driving or working out and then address it in real time mm-hmm. so i mean i could say that at the beginning of every episode did as you a say frame, it because
1: you're just gonna wing this one or why'd you say it on this episode um you have not done dozens of hours of research
0: on this. oh and so and just to follow up with that mm-hmm. that might lead someone to say well i just shouldn't do an episode that week because i'm not as informed as i could be you're not an expert so shut up right yeah but on the other hand like i do want to do this regularly and bring an episode each week and this is the topic we're going to talk about today is what i've been thinking about this week it's been on my heart i've been reading and listening to other podcasts that have used this kind of language that i want to discuss and um, yeah I wanted to bring it here and talk as openly as we can about it all right um without betraying too much uh I don't want I don't want to just haphazardly trespass in a way that I say something genuinely stupid disrespectful foolish. and hurtful or whatever right. it happens it's right great. right yeah yeah so I, I, I do want to respect the boundaries of my uh my knowledge and discipline respe- yeah. yeah
1: okay Fair is that enough of a- Yeah, I think that's enough <laughs> okay so you're bringing an idea to the table.
0: Right. And I will So the it. big idea like it's a podcast all about exploring big ideas. Yeah. The big idea I'd like to explore is the idea of perspectival theology. What are or you talking about? Theology from a perspective. Okay. So just recently, not just recently, I mean I would say for years now, but just felt like in the months and this week in particular I've seen things like Black theology, mm-hmm. queer theology, feminist theology, disabled theology, uh, white theology, mm-hmm. um, and I think part of what these labels are trying to get at is theology done from a certain perspective. Mm-hmm. So, in this conversation, I'd like to just kind of openly dialogue with you about what are the what are the pros and cons of using that system of of labeling for for what we're trying to get at and how much of that really maps onto the world and what I think is not great about it and what I think is good about it. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. That's fair. No no foot in my mouth yet?
1: Not yet. I will say I I have not run into these terms as much as you seem to have. Okay. But I am I am on board. I'm along for the ride. So I will try today to help us map out the contours of these ideas. And mm-hmm. as well, you present your ideas, I'm going to play devil's advocate for you.
0: I mean, if if you like this show, at least when it comes to the theology, Bible, religious topics, mm. then I'm guessing you've probably heard of like the Rob cast, the Bible for normal people, the deconstructionists. Liturgists. Uh, the, the liturgists. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The liturgists. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pr- they, they would trade in these terms quite a bit yeah and not and surely not every episode that they do uh you utilize these terms quite a bit but but they all do from time to time and Mm -hmm. i think it's worth at least for me it's worth it for me to talk about it and just bring it here for a moment all right so let's start here um i think it's really obvious (laughs) that each individual has a perspective i mean yeah i mean. I don't even know what else to say about that. God help me, right? If we can't start there, yeah. <laughs> um, you have your own sensory apparatus that is not identical to mine. You have different eyeballs. So yeah. you're, you're seeing different stuff. You've you've heard. You smelled. You have a whole different timeline that's different for me. Like I wasn't around yeah. when. You were, I mean, I was not next to you while in your upbringing in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were born in a whole different country than me. Very
1: quickly, our experiences, experiences of the world diverge.
0: And so, man, even if we were Siamese twins and you're conjoined with me at the hip, we would have a different perspective. Even if we shared the same body. <laughs> like you know two,
1: those people who have two heads? Yeah,
0: You've yeah. You've seen yeah. these people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just a different locus of consciousness. Yeah. All right. So we have different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. And the, I don't know, the data that you acquire along the way from that different perspective, you carry with you whenever you go to, let's just for our purposes today, interpret scripture or theologize about God, thinking about God. And maybe I like how you put it before we started. Mapping the transcendent? Mapping the transcendent as a (laughs) definition for theology. Yeah. So in that cartographical Mm -hmm. uh, endeavor, you are bringing your perspective to the table. Yeah. Necessarily so. Yeah, totally. Even just just to to press on that further,
1: anytime we talk about language and interpreting language, I only know words in relation to every other time I've heard them used in reference to something. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like... I can only make sense of the word blue having experienced the color blue and that sort of thing. So I can't Mm -hmm. help but when I'm trying to read a book like the Bible or a series of books, filter it
0: through my perspective. I'm on board with you. Okay. And that perspective, particularly when you are untrained in any kind of hermeneutic expertise of look, I don't know, even really basic stuff, maybe like looking for keywords or. Mm Or therefores, what's the therefore therefore, and just yeah. all, all that kind of stuff um, you're you' you're probably gonna notice certain things more than others some things will stand out they'll fi- you'll find them striking or salient that could be because uh, specifically because of an upbringing a certain experience you had or maybe it's something just that happened that week that like wow that really mm-hmm. connected with what's going on in my life so let's say that you have a chronic illness. Then you're probably gonna find the the woman who was healed of the issue of blood when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment of particular note, mm-hmm. you know. I would think, yeah. Or man, I mean, I'm not this way, so I. But I only have to imagine that if you are blind, then you're gonna find the stories of Jesus healing blind men particularly salient. Yeah, I I, I think so. Yeah, I don't think that's wild. Yeah, you'd be interested in how Jesus responds to blind people. (laughs) None of us are a Roman centurion, but there are stories of him interacting with one, and that probably would be pretty interesting to you. If If you were one. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm with you. But even in more subtle ways, uh, that might be hard to, like just an unconscious thing that you're bringing to the table, um, a hurt Mm -hmm. that you haven't totally explored, and um, a father or mother wound or... Oh, totally. Family wound I think that. there's all kinds of reasons that things would stand
1: out to us in the text, or our attention would be drawn certain ways, or even our yeah, our interpretation of the tone of the story. All of that mm-hmm. can happen in, in subtle ways that we're not actually privy to, you know? We're right. Just sort of pulling those strings. Mm-hmm. So, in that
0: sense, there's not, uh, how do I put this? You are not latching on to an objective text. It's it's difficult for you to just behold the universal objective standard text and then interpret from it. You are bringing something to the table when you even read the text, and things are highlighted to you. You're saying is that now I'm, that's that sounds like a pretty strong claim at it, the
1: perceptual it, level, though. You're saying you can't perceive the objective text. You can't help but sort of as you read it filter the story a certain way it appears to you a certain way beyond your control is that what you're saying
0: i was suggesting that okay i could be wrong there i mean I could be wrong about a lot of things but <laughs> of course yeah i mean what do you think of that, that? seems it, right to me that's not to say there's not an objective right text or a uh, truth of the matter or the way it well, ought to be interpreted and again this we've done a, a episode on uh, on meaning and there is so, so one way of thinking about the objective meaning of the text is authorial intent. Yep. What did Paul mean when he wrote that sentence in Romans? Mm-hmm. And there is a truth of the matter to that. There is something that he was thinking, and we can wonder about mm-hmm. how it got there through inspiration or whatever. But he was thinking something, and then it got jotted down. Um, and that he intended to mean something when he wrote it. So, And we can do really interesting, cool scholarly work. To try to ascertain what that thought he was having Mm -hmm. was, and to me that is you're really honing in on the objective meaning of the text. But and that is what we should try to do. That's that's
1: theology or that's interpretation done right is get at the authorial intent. Uh, Yeah. Try to get your mental space or you know your thought to match Paul's what Mm -hmm. Paul intended Mm -hmm. at the time.
0: So I'm I'm on the fence about whether it's just difficult or impossible to fully do that Mm -hmm. given how laden we are with our perspective so can I give a concrete
1: example I'm just trying to wrap my head around what you're saying tell me if this is right might be a really stupid thing to say but imagine uh, there's a story in scripture Mm -hmm. and it is uh, they reference a castle with tall spires I don't know what that would be what story that would be but imagine there's a castle (laughs) in there (laughs) The mental image that I conjure there and how I sort of visualize that whole story taking place in my head will probably be really different than how you do. Mm -hmm. Just like when we read any novel and we have to imagine a scene. Oh, yeah. The imagining of that scene is going to be unique to me, I think, and probably won't identically match the authors. That would be so unlikely. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Is that at least some of what you're talking about there? that would fit into the the difficult category yeah of because there's it's a big difference to say it's a difficult to get beyond my perspective and it's, and impossible. it's impossible yeah i don't i don't like this way that it could be it, it could be this way and that would be what's difficult for me to accept you mean yeah mm-hmm. but what you're saying is just it's merely difficult. So I come to the text with this idea of what castles look like. Yeah. But then it seems like we at least could, in principle, it's not impossible, to do some work to discover like, oh, castles. That's a funny example. I don't I know. know if there are any castles <laughs> in, any in, scripture. in scripture. But I was thinking about uh, Mania, Ancient Israelite castles actually <laughs> looked this way. And then you could tailor when you go back to reread it, like, oh, I don't you see it. I don't think of the Disney castle anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think of. <laughs> S- An ancient <laughs> Israelite castle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So you don't want to say that getting at the objective meaning is impossible, maybe just difficult, mm-hmm. but that we unavoidably or unavoidably bring our concepts to Yeah, the and
0: that's worth us recognizing and trying to overcome those blind spots. Now, the th- whole idea of a blind spot is that you're blind to it and you may not know and don't realize that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so it's helpful to be in community with people from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, to shore up ways that you can think about it more clearly. And Like what jumped out to them in the
1: text or something. I, mean, mm-hmm. it's, I, like, I never saw it from that perspective.
0: Right. And again, I don't know if any of this necessarily leads you to the objective truth. Right. Uh, Again, uh, if what we mean by interpretation is that an authorial intent piece, Mm -hmm. because uh, then there's this whole other side to what, what are we supposed to do with the Bible, which I think is interpret what the author meant. And this is a wisdom text. It's supposed to help me in some ways, like live a more wise life Mm -hmm. and to Christianize it under the guidance of the Holy spirit. In service to the kingdom of God. And so, uh, but how do I then apply that to my life and how I live in 2021? Mm -hmm. That's a whole project that the Bible doesn't explicitly tell me about. And so I am going to try to rely on my perspective. After all, that's all that I have and the perspectives of others to make, to enter into a wisdom dialogue about how this biblical truth through that Authorial intent interpretation yep. maps onto my life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. So, what's your problem?
1: If that's what, if that's what black theology, queer theology, white theology—that's what all of these are attempting to do—is offer different perspectives. And
0: it's helpful to have those perspectives. Mm-hmm. What's What's grinding your gears? So yeah, man. I guess what. Um, there's this idea that I've heard recently of all theology has an adjective.
1: Hmm.
0: So like of the kind that you just mentioned, we have to keep, we don't have to keep like repeating all the whole yeah. list each time, but I don't know, let's, let's just use black theology as our yeah. running example. Um, I guess, and this is where like my preamble about, I haven't spent enough time yeah, probably digesting all the information I could on it, but if we just mean that's theology done from the perspective of someone who happens to be black. Okay. I guess that's great. You know, like go for it, please. I would like all people to be doing theology and to, Mm -hmm. to speak into this conversation of wisdom. But I guess what's been worrisome for me is what other, how are those labels being laden with other ideological baggage in a way that need not be okay uh so one way another way of putting that maybe or that worry is why why label something in such a way like just one word like black theology when black is not a monolithic term mm-hmm there are people who are black, or or even we're not black, so let's just not use that one. White theology, yeah, which sounds like ugh. That's, I mean, <laughs> the word white, <laughs> the word white has just been completely ruined, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're wearing a white shirt. I mean, uh. how dare you? That um, that's not a monolithic category. Not all white people think the same thing totally. about a lot of theological issues. Mm-hmm. I know firsthand <laughs> yeah. from emails I've gotten (laughs) Uh, I'm sure black people are the same way not all black people think the same about theology not all queer people think the same about theology and I would even suggest to you that not all black people think the same about theology when it comes to understanding racial topics yes about what it means to be black in the history of blackness yeah so to label something black theology, I just find, I mean, offensive in a way on, <laughs> on their behalf in a sense that I wouldn't like something to be labeled white theology, because yeah. I, what if I don't agree with one of those precepts? Am I not yeah. a white guy? And I don't care much about being white. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, does that make I, any sense? Like, am yeah. I saying? No, no. Am I, I making sense here?
1: I see what you're saying. Um, and
0: you could go all down the line. So, uh, disabled theology. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are is that implying that anyone who's disabled should think the same way about?
1: I mean, theological surely, topics. Surely not, right? Surely it's got to be, like, here's here are the implications of, uh, a biblical. Uh, here here are the implications of the biblical narrative. For issues of disability, or issues of racial injustice, or whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. I don't think that that would be so strange if what they meant by the terms was that, you know, all disabled people think this way, and not just like, here is a particular view of the gospel that seems to have implications for, uh, how we treat those with disabilities or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I. I don't have a problem with that. I guess, I, yeah. I guess the terminology is a bit strange to call it disabled theology, and not like for me, it's just can't we just call the whole thing theology, and then just here are the various implications across the various. Yeah, various,
0: man. Well, uh, and there and there are uh, and we've done it on this podcast. There are a ton of different adjectives that yeah. go before theology, uh, natural right. theology. Right. What What's the evidence out there in the world? beyond Bible and personal experience that would lead you to believe God exists. Mm-hmm. Or negative theology is the is the belief that we can't say anything positive about God. It's only from... Only what he is yeah, not. God is n- not an angry being or something. Yeah, you know? And you don't have a problem with those. Adjectives. Or systematic theology, biblical theology. I mean, there's a lot, right? Yeah. But then when it comes to these ones, um, yeah, there's just something, I guess, off-putting about it that it's tying up it's like I- identity theology. Um, it's highlighting an immutable trait about someone as though that should or would have a significant impact on how they think about theology. And maybe it does and maybe it wouldn't. <clears throat> right. Okay, man, so here, here's one uh, lane. Let's just use black theology again as an example. That to me... Uh, is now going a step beyond just recognizing that someone who's black might have a different life experience and perspective that they're bringing to the table in that wisdom conversation. So, if you were to like just read, there's a Wikipedia article, Black Theology, or Liberation Theology, mm-hmm. it's sometimes called. Um, and there's this there's this version of it where, uh, well, let's think of the gospel as liberation. Uh, and specifically how oppressed people groups can be liberated. And now we have to talk, well, what does oppression mean? And I think sometimes this gets laden with political Mm
1: -hmm.
0: terminology, like uh, anytime there's non-equity or whenever there's not the correct distribution of social or material goods, that that is an oppression, Mm -hmm. an injustice of sorts that needs to be, corrected by some political policy and that we're bringing all of that political ideological baggage to the table when we read uh, the gospel stories and what we take from them. Hmm. So I I could see this being a bizarrely used, I don't know, man, an example like Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah. And if I'm coming to the table with this whole collection of ideological precepts of well this is what oppression means it can be covert in in certain ways and um, anytime someone in a ethnic group has less material goods than someone else and that means they're being oppressed and that's unjust and it needs to be corrected uh through policymaking mm-hmm. so they go to read the fi- feeding the 5000 well Jesus gave food to everybody and took the same amount and Presumably, like, distributed – everyone got some some bread and some fish. Mm-hmm. So that means we should do a more socialistic redistributive policy in modern America 2021 to help bring the black community more out of poverty. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, is that – if that's what we mean by black theology, well, now – um, yeah, I guess then that is less obviously something that anyone would want to endorse. Like the first version where like, I want to hear what you have to say because you brought a different perspective to the table in the wisdom conversation. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, of course. But then, but now when you've brought like, you've done some philosophical work on the side and you're bringing to the table an ideology and you're calling it black theology well, not, first of all, not all black people maybe would agree with that ideological claim. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, there's this weird sense in which now I kind of look like a racist if I say I don't like it, just <laughs> by the labeling of the term. Yeah. Uh, I disagree with black theology. You racist. Like, okay, well. It doesn't that, sound good. No, it doesn't. I
1: cringed when you said it just now. <laughs> I thought, ooh, buddy.
0: I don't want to say, I don't want to have to say, like, I I disagree with queer theology or disabled. (laughs) You just man. It makes you sound like a real monster. (laughs) Just a homophobic white supremacist, ableist, (laughs) heteronormative (laughs) prick. (laughs) So um and that's because I think some of the terms have been just unfairly laden with non theological Mm. principles. You know, so it's really it's really more of a a politic that you've brought into the conversation about
1: some smuggling going on
0: i guess so yeah and again like i'm i'm fine with the disciplines overlapping like theology and politics and science and i like when they all converse with each other but if there's any meaning to the separation of these disciplines Mm -hmm. with unique aims and goals like
1: what's the boundary of theology when you're not doing theology anymore yeah
0: i think that plays into this too yeah um
1: I mean, I can see how one's theology should probably impact one's policy and like mm-hmm. where you stand politically. Right. Right? Your understanding of your map of the transcendent.
0: Yeah. Or maybe... A, yeah, dude. Here, How about this? Another way of putting the complaint is... When you've done... Let's say we had that wisdom conversation with the different theologies. Black, queer, disabled, white, whatever australian whatever good yeah Yeah. whatever uh modern Mm -hmm. ancient you know whatever collection of those you can get they have a conversation of wisdom oh shoot i lost my train of thought and then so so we so on that level of analysis we've come up with some maybe some ways that we've agreed Mm -hmm. theologically like oh man i love hearing that perspective and so like god is in the business of liberation Mm -hmm. yeah man i can get on board with that and 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 using that language and articulating the gospel in that way, that's that's really helpful. Thank you for bringing that to the table. I was so I was thinking about a lot of like eternal destination stuff of heaven and hell mm-hmm. or whatever, and like that idea of liberation and what that means for life today. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But now, if if you think that that higher level of analysis leads on this other level to okay, that implies this about your politics or it has to mean this Mm -hmm. while now like i i just want there to be space for just as just like we had a wisdom conversation here let's have a wisdom conversation down here Mm -hmm. at these more specific levels of analysis when we go to apply it to our politics or how we think about history or our sociology and psychology Mm -hmm. but it just seems like in this 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 uh, this cultural climate that you can't really do that if you disagree mm-hmm. with or express hesitation that yeah. implication then you're given a label <laughs> mm-hmm. a derogatory one Yeah. maybe that's what I'm lamenting most about this what I'm seeing is a tendency to a further rolling out of these identity terms and and most of us who have like just been, unless you're living under a rock, you've heard the term identity politics. Mm -hmm. And that politics is mostly about different identity groups and who has power and making sure the balance of power comes out to even and different ways that certain identities oppress and lord it over other ones. But now, like, is that, are we doing that in theology? There's identity theology now. Yeah. And it's, it betrays some of the same, problems that identity politics has
1: what are the major problems you see with identity politics that you could see creeping into identity theology
0: i mean i think the i think the main criticism i have of identity politics that i would hope any rational thinker could get on board with mm-hmm. upon inspection wow. okay. is that not all individuals within that that would claim that identity would share
1: will agree yeah
0: there are just so many variables again back to the beginning of how you would how your perspective is built over time um that could alter a lot of different things that you think about the world i mean just yeah and and to pick out one i one little filament of that and saying that um because you're white th- that makes you like a i don't know an interest group yeah moving forward or <laughs> yeah yeah, um and all the different identity things that you could pick out filipino american yeah that's a, that's a whole separate subgroup yeah yeah that has its own unique i don't know i just don't i don't view any of those groups as monolithic yeah or to be even and if i could go a little bit further all that interesting right like i don't I hardly view any of those things as the most important thing about that person. Like I just gave a talk. If someone uh, was uh, more combative, maybe they might have fought me on this one. But I said in one of the sermons that the most important thing about me is the most important thing about everyone else. Mm. Namely, child of God. Image of God, yeah. Bearer of the image of God. Not white. White. Right. Not black, not gay, right. not disabled. That is not, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I I think that that's not the most important thing about you. Right. And when, and I feel like identity politics m- makes it that way. Okay. Or encourages you to think about it that way. And so that, I think that inherently leads to division. Mm-hmm. When the most important thing about me is not has bears no similarities to you the things yeah, because they are the opposite. In you know they're yeah. uh you know they're mutually exclusive categories i can't be both gay and not gay at yeah. least i don't think yeah you know maybe <laughs> who knows right maybe next year <laughs> with men and women and yeah all these
1: maybe it's a spectrum but so you would adjust to
0: not trade in these terms i, I mean i don't see it changing certainly yeah. not by me making noises on this podcast but I lament the trend toward identity theology. Hmm. Um, I think anybody could be really interested in the atonement, yeah, and looking at the history of the Exodus and how there was a, you know, a liberation of slaves, mm-hmm. and how uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was accepted into the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and how the lame and the blind were also given voice in the community mm-hmm. through healing it wasn't even so much that it's not even so much that jesus it's just better to be to be able to see than be blind mm-hmm. but because they were blind at that time they weren't allowed to yeah do the stuff yeah, he in gave the them community. Dignity back. Yeah. So he gave them dignity in the community and so like i think we can all get on board and and benefit from those different perspectives that that i may not see right away. Right. Cuz I just don't have as much interest in it. I'm not blind. Yeah. So I think so I when I first read it I'm like, "Oh, that's great. He can see now." Yeah. But someone who is blind like there's recognizes Oh, there's different ways that we don't get to f- experience the fullness of the community and yeah. Here's another here's an extra layer of goodness to be found in that passage. Mm-hmm. That that's awesome. That's valuable. But then when we say, "Oh, well, this means that churches need to spend this amount of their budget on whatever it is—I don't know—making the parking lot more handicap friendly or something, mm-hmm. or just like making these kind of draconian statements of like, okay, this means this kind of control needs to be placed on this people group. Mm. Um, just seems less in the spirit of that wisdom conversation and more like, oh, you, oh, I get—you had a political agenda. There's an
1: agenda, there. yeah.
0: I guess that's what I'm saying, man. Okay. All right. I find I find that whole way of speaking about things to be in the opposite direction of intellectual virtue. Unhelpful. There's nuggets of it that are great. Mm-hmm. Openness, namely, and thoroughness, um, but okay. not so much in others. I hear you. I think that's what I have to say about that. You. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I don't think you put your foot in your mouth there. Okay. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we'll get a bunch of comments. Who knows? <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, if you appreciate what we're doing, uh, we'd love for you to uh, – the best way to support us right now is to comment on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. That just, like, burp, boosts the algorithm for us and gets it in front of more eyeballs. It's been really cool to see some of your feedback and, and writing into mailbag at openatruth.com. Yeah, Hearing we'd love to hear you. from you. Uh, we'd love to do a mailbag episode. <clears throat> Uh, soon. So be sure to get those questions in. And we'd love you to subscribe to the blog. I'm trying to grow this blog. Yeah.
1: I know you can't do it right now. You got your hands on the steering wheel. You're yeah. in the gym. You're pumping iron. You're busy.
0: When you get home. When you get home. Hopefully, your brain will just, just trigger that, that oh, yeah, little some, audio clip. Someone told me earlier today when I get home, I, I should do something. Do what something? was that? Oh, it's go to slash subscribe. Yeah. And then <laughs> that's it. It's just one email a week, <laughs> a little three to four minute, uh, thought provoker yeah Yeah.
1: you'll love it (laughs) it'll be good very good all right thanks for watching thanks for listening guys we'll see you next time stay curious